intention to be an open and structured channel for unconditional love in the unique way that is is precious and meant for this this projection of the divine uh, that is rose and today i am excited to be talking about the idea of creating narrative in our lives intentionally so the idea of consciously writing our stories and experiences um, and how this entangles with uh, what we can do when we are creating narrative in an unconscious way, which is, uh, I'll say here, creating drama. So on the surface of it, uh, narrative and drama and story, these all have similar meanings. Uh, and here I'm going to be using narrative and story to imply creating with a, a, a an increasing sense of self-awareness and using drama to refer to creating from a place of 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 unconsciousness um, so that's not to hop on uh, any kind of drama hate and train in general i myself really enjoy acting and and certainly there's drama that is positive and uh, beautiful and and yada yada all the things and here just so you know when you're listening i will be using that term drama or creating drama to be referring to uh the the unintentional experiences that we create when we are creating from a place of uh of, of a lack of self-awareness and then likewise how we can become more self-aware in order to create in a way that is actually conducive to what we want so so that creative process um come is is largely fueled by passion a desire for newness a desire for well or an accepting of an embracing of change zest stimulation spice spontaneity the phrase you know variety is the spice of life etc all of these things feel very like stimulating exciting to human beings we en we enjoy being stimulated um which is not to say that that is all there is here, and those things are things that we innately enjoy, uh, experiencing these bodies and all that come with them, sensations, emotions. We have the ability to channel those desires uh, in, in ways that are conducive uh, to getting what we want and in ways that are not conducive to getting what we want. So we might generally parse that out as creating with an empowered mentality versus creating with a victimhood mentality. And the way that that looks often is where it, it, we can ask the question, where are we projecting that energy? Are we projecting it onto things that are in our control or are we projecting it onto things that are outside of our control? So the idea of creating narrative in a conscious way 
to me starts with recognizing that that I am the main character of my story of my life and and likewise you're the main character of your life and he's the main character of his life and etc etc our our experience with ourselves is the most direct experience that that we can ever have we will never be able to experience life through another's through through another uh, it doesn't matter how close we get to them we each are are gifted with a, a unique experience we are gifted we gift ourselves with a unique experience that is our our most direct experience with our ability to create uh, so making others the so so oftentimes uh I'll, I'll notice that I'm still doing this right and often a lot of people do this like we make other people the main characters of our story <laughs> um, we notice that we are wanting something and we have thoughts come in like oh what what are what how's that going to affect this person what are they going to think of me um, and and that's totally okay those thoughts are welcome and when we allow another person's experience of our story to inhibit our creation of our story it is us projecting a a deep level of attention and love away from the self and onto others which is i uh, in my experience self-negligent and and actually it's not only as as per the usual it's not only negligent in a way or or um or uh, ne- i tried to stay away from the terms negative and positive and just for for ease i'll use it here it's not only negative for us but it's also negative for the other person because it deprives them of the space to learn to harness their own uh, ability to create for themselves from themselves if someone is taught to rely on another person to dictate their their personal na- narrative their story then then they don't it's not as easily accessible they're not going to be as motivated to to create their own story to live a life that they want to live uh, so so it's a way that a lot of us find like safety and and excuses really essentially for not stepping into our power is by making other people the main characters in our story uh, and and it's really a, a a futile effort because as i said we are each inevitably the most direct experience that we have um our our firsthand experience is the most direct experience we have with with being human that we have with creating um i was in a i was in a play earlier this year and one of my fellow actors posed a a question to the cast as we were sitting in the green room getting ready for the show one night and he said he said i i have a a, an exercise for y'all a fun exercise who is the most important person in this show? And it was a really interesting question, especially for that show, because it was what's called an ensemble cast. So there were six of us in the cast, and no, there was no like lead and then supporting roles. Everyone had about the same amount of time on stage. Everyone had, like everyone, we were all sharing the story. We were all 
equal members, so to speak, in the story. Uh, and, and so this actor, he said, who's the most important person in the show? And he wanted to hear an answer from each of us. Uh, and so, it, you know, it was quiet for a minute. And then I decided to, to stick my neck out. And I said, okay, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give it a go. It's Candy. That was my character in the show. So I was like, I'm the most important in the sh- person in the show. <laughs> and, uh, and, and one by one, all of the other cast members gave the same, you know, the same answer for their situation. I'm the most important character in the show. I'm the most important person, etc. And, and this other actor um, who had posed the question, you know, validated the consensus that we had come to was that for each of our characters, we were the most important people in the show. And that was what gave the show integrity and um, and, and a sense of being genuine was that we were all playing our parts uh, in a way that, that made you know, each of us the center of our experience. And I would say that that same principle applies in, in, the, in the greater narrative that is daily human life. Um, and it's, it, it feels counterintuitive, right? Because it's easy to pin ideas like, oh, well, that's selfish and selfishness is bad and selfishness like turns us away from whatever, like loving other people or, or lots of ideas that we have around what it, what the results are, what the consequences are from us loving ourselves more fully. Um, and what I, what I continue to pose on this podcast, what I continue to uh, practice and feel convicted of and see work in, in my life uh, and in, in the lives of many people around me is that actually when we focus on getting in touch with a genuine sense of who we are uh, and loving who that is, it better equips us to love others to create in a way that has integrity, to communicate with a wider variety of people, to show up better, to uh, show up better in conversation when people are are expressing emotional energy, a whole variety of things that um, that getting in touch with ourselves in a real way helps expand in our relationships with other people because ultimately we are um, we are because of that firsthand experience, that direct connection that we have only with ourselves, that is first and foremost the most fruitful place for us to learn uh, and and will permeate uh, further than, than learning uh, in any other less direct way. Um, Okay, so narrative, uh, going back to just kind of the idea of stories, and human beings love stories, like for as long as, you know, his, history, right, is a story, right, his story, right, it's the thing, right, um, humans love to tell narrative, to tell story, yeah, so when, when I'm thinking about story, like what comes to mind, one of the first things that comes to mind is the rather cliche story arc um, that you might have also learned about in whatever elementary middle school English class that says that stories happen with like an opening, a rising action, a climax, a falling action, and a conclusion. 
And it's continued to become uh, more and more interesting to me to notice that narrative unfolding in, uh, in, in movies that I'll watch, in, in books that I'll read, and to appreciate how, in many ways, that is not actually how, how life works. Um, it's, it's nice to, it's simple, it's, it's nice to watch a movie and have that pre-programmed idea of how it'll be and be able to trust that the story will unfold that way. Like, oh, it's gonna, I'm gonna be given some context for what's happening. It's gonna, like, there's gonna be building action and things are gonna happen. And then there's gonna be a problem. And then it's gonna reach a pentacle point of the problem. And then someone's gonna come in and solve it. And then the fallout from that is gonna happen. And then things are gonna boil down and happily ever after, right? And um, anyone who has lived much life realizes that that's not actually how life works, at least not in a broader sense. A better alternative, I would suggest, for that same idea, but uh, a more expansive way of looking at human narrative. I'm going to pause here and drink some water. Ah, liquid is Joseph Campbell's The Hero's Journey, um, which is a much more expanded version of, of narrative, uh, of, the, of the story arc that tends to play out in human life, whether at the individual level, um, including the individual level of the mind uh, in, in a faster way, in a way that's more frequent, including in a slower way uh, over the course of one's lifetime, uh, and including in a collective way, um, both small groups and a, a larger whole collective. If you're not familiar with with the hero's journey uh, concept, I. I encourage you to to delve into it if if it strikes your fancy it's super interesting i'll call out the let's say 17 yeah 17 steps in it just to give an example of this like broader story arc uh so the first one is the call to adventure the hero is called to adventure the second one is the refusal of the call so the hero like box <laughs> you know you know for whatever reason there's fear yeah the, uh, the hero refuses the call uh, supernatural aid comes in as the third step. So something, uh, be, you know, greater than the hero inspires the hero to answer the call. Uh, and then is the, the fourth step is the crossing of the first threshold. So this is stepping into the initiation stage uh, where the hero starts to really be in the fire and the transformative uh, part of the journey. There's the belly of the whale step, which is like, dark darkness there's the road of trials so more darkness uh this step meeting with the goddess so encountering some kind of divine um experience that that usually in the in the <clears throat> theory the hero is the, is i i've seen a lot of the heroes like needing to earn the uh, the approval of the goddess right so some sense of of 
of ref- becoming worthy or like ref- and maybe we could even just say like finding self-worth uh, in order to continue on the journey, um, this this self-worth then uh, shifts into temptation for the hero to leave the journey. Uh, there And then there's another like receiving help stage from uh, experiencing atonement, forgiveness with with uh, with father is usually the, way that the theory words it, although this could also look like the superego, the parent figures, the subconscious, the parent figures in the subconscious mind. Um, um, and then that's kind of, that's kind of like the low point of, of this circular arc and then going back up. Um, there's, uh, Let's see. I'm not even sure how to say this fucking word, uh, which is which is a rarity for me. Apotheosis. I can say that word. That's not that hard. Oh, it's another word for climax. That's awesome. (laughs) I may have more uses for that term. Apotheosis. And then uh, so there's like there's the the climax, the the overcoming. and then the next step is the ultimate boon. So it so it's like the the accomplishment stage. Like what was set out to do has been to to do has been done. And then the final of the three stages of this this theory is the return. So at first the hero doesn't want to return. There's the refusal of the turn, the return, and then there's the uh, traversing back to back to where the hero came from. And then there's um the the hero yet again receiving help from from someone else in order to help them then cross the threshold uh cross back over the threshold to return um and and with this the hero is now master of both worlds the world that the hero was originally in and the world that the hero moved through in order to now come back and be able to bring the fruits of that learning to one's community and that brings the hero uh, more expansive freedom that's the last step is freedom freedom to live um so that's just an an example of of some of a somewhat more realistic from my perspective uh story arc beyond just the cliche opening rising action climax falling action closure um and human existence is way more complex <laughs> way more complex than 17 steps that go in a circle and always happen in that order and uh you know it's just it's not that simple so i would say in a sense all of these steps at least have the potential to be happening all at once and of course as humans we're each in our own space our own stage our own phase so I may be caught up in going through my initiation phases, whereas those people over there or the people next to me that I'm hanging out with maybe haven't even like crossed the threshold, the first threshold. So there's, there's a lot of, uh, you know, it's, it's a co-creative experience that we're having as humans as well. Um, a lot to be aware of as we're learning to create more consciously. Um, and 
And so it's understandable, noting that complexity, uh, that as we start consciously creating our own narrative, and uh, as I like to look at it, you know, writing a, a script for our lives and d discerning what what set and setting we want to have for our lives and who we want the other characters to be, what we want them to be like, etc., etc. It's understandable that we uh, start to notice more that, oh, the other people in my life, in my li in my life, may or may not be. Um, filling the roles that I'd like to cast them in, per se. So this becomes a process of, of honoring, oh, right, they're also creating their own narrative. We're co-creating here. This is an interdependent process. And sometimes that can look like um, creating a a new narrative together that is alchemized um, in a way that is more fulfilling for both people sometimes it's a it's a it's a separating and walking separate paths so that both people have more freedom to create the narrative that they desire um i read this really beautiful quote earlier today i was at a at a friend's um vegan juice bar in uh, in saint charles missouri shout out to rootbound and there was, uh, there are lots of beautiful things to read there. And I read a quote that says it's by Rosa Luxemburg. I have no idea who that is. Shout out to Rosa Luxemburg, whoever you are. Thank you for your beautiful words. Quote, those who do not move, do not notice their chains. Wow. What powerful words. What powerful words. There is a, a dialectical experience that occurs as we are learning to, to, to move through, to break out of, to let go of our chains. Um, the what i mean what i mean by chains are are the things that are uncomfortable to us um but that we've been taught to embrace as comfortable so so the limitations that we've accepted that we've embraced that we're putting on ourselves often unconsciously uh, limiting beliefs namely namely limiting beliefs um that which is limiting our perspective, which is then influencing our emotions, thoughts, and behaviors. It is uncomfortable to let go of these chains because, well, one, because the the chains have begun to feel feel comfortable. They they feel kind of like a snug weighted blanket until you start to reach for what's outside of them and then suddenly the chains are like whoa like that's constricting like whoa why why can't i reach my arm out all the way to get to this thing that i want like whoa there's there's some there's some restriction there so there's there's first just the awareness of the chains being there when we weren't before then second as we actually learn to dissolve the chains, break through them, let them fall off, 
there's a pain of their absence because suddenly we're left without these illusionary protections that we've grown to be attached to, whether that be, um, people, you know, like other people's opinions or, uh, or, or statuses, wealth, etc. Like so many things that we can seize onto as this is giving me value. I am valuable to the extent that other people approve of what I'm doing. I am valuable to the extent that I am a, I am a, a stereotypically quote unquote good partner and a good parent. Um, I, or, or I am worthy to the extent that I am a productive member of society. However, that, that looks as we start to break out of those chains and to reframe and, uh, to, to reframe our ideas of what, where our worthiness comes from, uh, and, and to, start to to become connected to the part of us that understands that we are inherently worthy we are inherently we are inherently worthy we are inherently lovable we are inherently loved we are inherently loving that that what what breathes us is is something that is infinitely valuable and as we begin to create from that place, instead of putting restrictions on ourselves saying, well, I'm valuable and I love myself and all of that, you know, and um, that only works as long as uh, mom and dad approve of what I'm doing, or that only works as, as long as um, my friends agree with the decisions that I make, or that only works as long as I have a certain amount of money in the bank account, whatever, whatever. Um, as we let go of, of whatever limiting perspectives are holding us back, that allows us to, to move more freely, to create more expansively, to get to know ourselves in a way that is more powerful, more free, more limitless, and ultimately more fulfilling. Uh, it, it feels fulfilling to feel powerful. It feels fulfilling to move through challenge in a way that feels uh, like like it, it was uh, uh, more honest than moving through challenge earlier in life. It feels fulfilling to give and receive deeper, more expansive love and connection. And we can only do that to the extent that we actually recognize, oh my gosh, I have the power to do that. <laughs> you will always be limited by what you believe you can and can't do. Thank you to my fifth grade teacher who had that quote on her podium. There are two kinds of people in this world, people who say they can and people who say they can't, and they are both right. No one ever did anything that they believed they couldn't do. That that they whole that they wholeheartedly believed they couldn't do. You may consciously like not believe you can do something and then you like I don't know, accidentally do it per se. I'm going to suggest that that's because there was part of you that knew you could do it. So much the majority of our experience is subconscious. So take heart in that. That's not only like 
like this adventure that's sometimes dark that you know requires building all of these muscles of self-love and compassion and patience to to dig through and understand the subconscious it also points to a vast array of resources and information data that we've gathered over our entire um, our entire human experience our entire uh, well if you so if you believe in past lives or or if you and or if you believe that you can inherit per se intuitive knowing through um through your mother, through the process of birth, and likewise down the generational line. So a lot of times people talk about uh, about generational trauma. There's also obviously post-traumatic stress disorder. There's also post-traumatic growth. And so I'm going to pose that there's also generational growth, per se, that, that can come from a place of hurt and healing. So... Uh, not only am I receiving all of the fruits from unraveling and integrating the trauma that I've experienced in my own life personally, I also believe that I'm experiencing, that, I, that I'm continuing to gather fruits from unraveling and integrating the trauma that my mother experienced, the trauma that her mother experienced. Uh, and that, that that is empowering. It, it's infinitely empowering. It also gives me the ability to better offer that potential to other people um which which can look <laughs> an infinite number of ways uh, because that journey is so incredibly complex <sighs> looking at my notes oh yeah this is this is crucial okay so creating in the most like pure honest humble way requires learning to feel and be okay with feeling foolish foolish silly it's uh if you're if you're into astrology this is the aries energy right like aries is the fool aries or or tarot right the fool is the first card of the tarot and and that's the first <sighs> This is not to say that we can't create without that energy. I will pose, though, that we're unable to create anything very original without that energy because to, to, to birth something original requires that we be accepting to the possibility that it might be a total fucking flop. It might be a total flop. And that'll be okay, because you know what? I have enough trust in myself to understand that in producing whatever I produce, there will be, and, and holding space for it to be how it is, there will be an organic, alchemical refinement that occurs through and within me that shifts how my creation is in a way that brings me closer and it closer to to truth and so many of us i know i for for a long time like i had no idea how to play the fool i had no idea how to be vulnerable and silly and okay enough with my mess to to just show up and be like Bleh, this is how i am <laughs> and some days oh my gosh some days it's still like whoa like 
why are all these walls up? Where are they? What's going on? Okay. Notice. Notice. Be with. And. <laughs> the. <laughs> the greatest gifts that I have received from this journey of self-actualization have all contributed to my ability to create in a way that is purely me. That's why this podcast is called Naturally Rosie. That's why my outlets are, that's why my Substack is called Naturally Rosie. You can follow me on Substack, by the way, uh, and Spotify. Is because for me, what I find most fulfilling is actualizing the experience of being fully myself. In recognizing that I am a subjective microcosm of the macrocosmic whole. So it's not I'm actualizing being myself in a way that is different than everything else. It's actually I am learning to actualize myself in a way that embraces all the parts of who I can be. Uh, and, and because I inevitably have a subjective experience, that process of embracing all of the parts of myself integrates in a way that is very unique. Uh, and as, as it does in all people who undertake that kind of process. Drama, in the, in the sense of uh, unconscious passion, is created conversely when we are either not aware of our, of our passions, of our desire for zest, of our, um, of, our, of our changing nature. Everything changes all the time. That's the only constant. Or we are only partially aware of those things. And so instead of addressing it and being with it how it is, our desires, our passions, our vision, what we want, um, including, including our sexual energy, including, including our... I, I, I was just talking to a good friend last night. Last night? The night before? Last night? some night, um, who was expressing to me his challenges with being with his potential for violence. Totally a, a real thing. I, I've talked to, to many men and women who have expressed this, this, une, this unease with, with that potential that they feel in them. Uh, and I, I've, I've talked to, to even more uh, people who have expressed something to that effect discomfort with the potential of their of their sexual energy of their uh, both sexual energy as an expressed um, through like sexuality and also with their creative energy the, this fear of what i might do if i let out all of those feelings oh so common that's why you notice a lot of people keep them stuffed in or they come out in weird spurts that don't really make a whole lot of sense but they're trying to come out because emotion is energy in motion and it likes to move. 
So this is a a moment-to-moment practice of noticing, uh, am I consciously choosing the creation of my story? Or am I playing out a drama that is programmed in me, but isn't actually leading me towards my desire? So for example, a, a, a drama in the sense of something that is illusionary, not true, that um, that 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 paints over that that corresponds with what I'm describing about emotions and passion is this this illusion that if we learn to be with and integrate our emotions and our passions, our creative powers, our sexuality, our physicality, our bodies, that they will become something that, oh, all kinds of things we can't control, that that get away from us, that uh, bring us, that, that move us further away from like our divine nature, all kinds of things. There's a lot of like fear around being with those intense parts of ourselves. And what I have seen is that that fear, that resistance, actually <laughs> uh, maintains the level of control that those parts of us have uh, over us in an unconscious way, and that the way to shift that energy into consciously creating our story in a way that we desire genuinely is to learn to be with those parts of ourselves, to open to them more fully, to be like like the lotus, like the rose, and to, to unfurl ourselves to... <laughs> these these many different ways of, of feeling stimulation and, and experiencing what it is to be human through our bodies, through our emotions. Because that's how that's how we embody our nature. Uh, which I, I would say is is divine in, innately. Yeah. It doesn't do as nearly as much good. It's not nearly as fulfilling. It's not nearly as um, helpful to the rest of your human species out here to just like craft, to, to just change the mind to the extent that you can. The mind is, is always changing. That's its nature. Um, but to, to just focus on crafting the mind to bend to the narrative that you want. Um, this isn't an embodied experience. This isn't this isn't an enlightened experience. We, we end up stuffing all of the weight, all of the things that we're pushing away from the mind because the mind is feels threatened by them, feels that they're uncomfortable. And we end up stuffing all of that weight into the body, into the heart, yeah. And it, it suffocates us, it, it, it dims our light, it cuts off our creative powers. And personally, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't find that life to be nearly as fulfilling as the 
path I'm actively walking now, which is learning to embody my passion, learning to trust my feelings, learning to listen to my body, supporting other people doing that as well, and learning to to know uh, in a soma- at a somatic level that it's not personal to me. Like, however anyone else is, like, that's their journey. I, I have very little ability to ever deeply, deeply, deeply understand why someone else does what they do, what they do. Um, I, I can, I can still empathize. Um, I can still relate. I can still connect over shared experiences, certainly over shared emotions. And the, the level of subjectivity that we each experience, um, in my opinion, makes it essentially futile, futile to, to really try to, um, well, to, to imagine that I can understand, I can know someone else's experience so well that I know what's best for them. And in this, I, I learned to take more responsibility for myself and to give other people more responsibility for themselves. And that is a very, it is a really great ROI. <laughs> a really great ROI. Mm. It's a beautiful thing. A beautiful thing to, to create more and more consciously. Uh, not, not easy um, in many moments and increasingly fulfilling and increasingly simple too. It may not be easy, but it does become more and more simple as we learn to understand our own unique method behind the madness. With that, I will uh, I will wrap it up. Uh, check me out on uh, on all the social medias. Not all of them. Let's see. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Naturally Rosie. Well, Facebook is just my name, Rose Leopold. Um, if I don't respond yes to your friend request, please don't take that personally. I do like some layer of of, of privacy in my life. Although for the most part, I'm extremely transparent and look forward to being more and more so. Uh, Shout out to Wayne B for sound engineering this episode. Check out his content at Wayne B underscore 314. Pie time. It's pie time. It's pie time. We get to creating some loving narrative instead of chaotic drama. Now, the irony is that as... I've done this as you might begin to do this. Other people may interpret your loving narrative as chaotic drama. Ain't your problem. It's not. That's an opportunity for them to learn how to be with chaos. Something that many people straight up avoid in life. They'd rather keep the peace. They'd rather maintain an illusion of perpetual cleanliness than recognize that, oh my gosh, life is messy sometimes. It's a lot easier, y'all, once you start learning to love the mess. Learning to appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. So, uh, here's episode four. 
super grateful, super grateful. It's a, it's a beautiful life in the, in the pain and the pleasure. It's a beautiful life. May you all experience a life as beautiful 